Well, good evening and welcome to our journey through the book of Acts as we look at how we, First Norfolk, this family that God has created, how that we can fulfill the calling that God has given us. We're taking this journey along with the first century church, and uh, we just saw this past week how that God birthed the church at Pentecost, how the church exploded with uh, thousands of people uh, being rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We heard Peter uh, preaching uh, to the onlooking crowd as the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, and how he confronted those who had uh, uh, those in the crowd uh, with their sin, and, and, and the Scripture says that they were cut to the heart and, and, and asked, what must we do to be saved? And Peter led them to repentance and faith in Jesus. And on that day, on that day of Pentecost, over 3,000 uh, were baptized. What a beautiful picture of the church exploding. But what do you do when you have that kind of explosive growth? Uh, what do you do when when the church grows uh, with that kind of, uh, of, of uh, uh, baptisms and so many new people, how does, that, how does the church respond to that? Well, the church responds the way the church must always respond. Uh, whether it's two people who have come to faith in Christ or 2,000 people who have come to faith in Christ, the church fulfills her calling when we disciple those who are saved. That's it. Friends, discipleship is core component to who we are as a church fulfilling our calling. You remember the calling is uh, that we let uh, tell others about Jesus, uh, tell them who Jesus is, be a witness for Him. And once we're a witness for Him, we need to continue to tell those who are saved who Jesus is and how He's shaping and forming their life. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all, uh, beginning verse uh, 18, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Make disciples of all people. So here we have in Acts 2, beginning in verse 42, this, this discipleship process that uh, is awakened in the first century church, and, and a discipleship process that I'm thankful is part of who we are as a church. Look at verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. The church fulfills her calling when we disciple those who are saved. Now, discipleship, first and foremost, is persistence. We saw this verb used uh, in verse 14 of chapter 1. They continued steadfastly. There in verse 14, they continued steadfastly in prayer. Here, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayer. Uh, that picture of continuing steadfastly is the picture of persistence. We are faithful to God's call upon our church when we are persistent to disciple others. Discipleship is persistence. We are ferociously committed to help those who come to faith in Jesus Christ to grow as followers of Christ. We are persistent to disciple. Now, that includes a persistence to preach and to teach 
the apostles' doctrine. Now, what is the apostles' doctrine? Well, you heard it in Matthew 28. He said, uh, 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 baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. So as we look at the apostles' doctrine, by the way, part of my PhD is, is uh, unraveling what apostles' doctrine is about. But apostles' doctrine is the teaching of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus is uh, uh, the summation of all the Old Testament, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament, and bringing it into the new. When we look at the apostles' doctrine, we're looking at what we know to be Scripture today. Um, and so, as we, and that's a footnote about half a page long uh, if you're looking at my notes. If you ever want them, just email me at uh, pastor at firstnorfolk.org and I'll send you uh, the footnotes on this. But, but when we look at who we are as the family, discipleship means that we're going to be persistent to preach and to teach the Word of God. We're persistent to proclaim it. Every single time we gather together, there is the preaching, the proclamation of God's Word. Every time our life groups gather together, there is the teaching and the explaining of God's Word. Everything that Jesus has taught us uh, uh, in Scripture and the Spirit inspires us to see and to know, we should devote ourselves to proclaiming, to teaching, to learning, to growing. We are persistent to preach and to teach God's Word, the Apostles' Doctrine. We're also persistent. Uh, discipleship is persistence. That's persistence in the Apostles' Doctrine. It's persistence in sharing life together. An ember needs the fire to maintain its blaze. An ember all by itself will eventually become ash. But you huddle that ember up against other embers, and it can grow into a burning fire. In the same way, we need other followers of Jesus. We need the family to grow as followers of Christ. We need an encounter with Jesus through His body, the church. This family is, not non is a non-negotiable in discipleship. And that's what fellowship, koinonia, is all about. We are persistent to share life together. That sharing life together includes breaking bread together. Now, some have taken breaking bread to, to not breaking bad, breaking bread to mean uh, communion together. And it certainly could mean that. Uh, but more likely in this context, it's breaking bread together. It's going over to one another's house and breaking bread and having fellowship through the breaking of bread together. Getting to know each other as family, not just friends, not just friendships, but as family. Uh, this is sharing life together. Praying together. We looked at this last Wednesday night where praying together is how we grow in intimacy together as family. We, we open our hearts together before a holy God and we grow in intimacy with Him and with one another. Uh, we, we, uh, uh, we share life together. If we're going to disciple, we must also not only be persistent in God's Word, the Apostles talking, but we also must be persistent in sharing life together. Uh, as we look at this persistence in prayer specifically, we, we pray together, sharing, sharing together our concerns and celebrating our victories together as those who are submitted to God and dependent upon Him. Um, today, uh, we must be persistent. That's what discipleship looks like. 
Discipleship, secondly, is living in the fear of the Lord. I want you to look at verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. When we are faithful to God's call upon our church, our family of faith, then we are persistent to disciple others in the fear of the Lord. Fear came upon them all. You know, what is this fear coming upon every soul? Uh, fear um, can take several different connotations. It can mean uh, fear as in the sense I'm afraid of a rattlesnake, or it could be fear in the sense of reverence, or um, here he, he, he also talks about awe. Um, so there's that sense of fear and awe, shock and wonder, but, but really, as you look and break apart this passage, it becomes very clear that it's not just fear in a general sense. It is fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is walking in submission to Him. The fear of the Lord is living each day, uh, adjusting my life to fit what God desires. When He talks about fear coming upon every soul, He's not talking about shock and awe in the sense that that, that we would see uh, say today, but rather He's talking about fear coming upon every soul. We're discipling the believers to live in the fear of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we see that the fear of the Lord is one of the oh, key ingredients to the growth of the church and the health of the church, to live in the fear of the Lord. Now, friends, uh, that's what our family of faith uh, is committed to do. We disciple by helping those who are followers of Jesus live in the fear of the Lord. That's why we treasure God's Word as the rule of life and faith. Not, not what we feel, not the emotions of the day, not the cultural mandates that we encounter, but rather it's the Word of God that becomes the plumb line about how we live because the Word of God reveals the heart of God. And the heart of God uh, is the will of God revealed. And when we want to live uh, in, 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 as faithful followers of Christ and grow uh, new believers as followers of Christ, we must teach them to live in the fear of the Lord. We must live in the fear of the Lord. So it means that we adjust our life to fit God's will. That's, that's living in the fear of the Lord. Um, it's an attitude and posture of the heart before Christ. And, and in its deepest sense, it is, it is a worship of God above all other things. It's submission of our lives to Christ. It's what Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 12. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is fear of the Lord. It's where we are no longer conformed to the mold of this world, but we're transformed to the will of God. Uh, so discipleship is persistent. Discipleship is living in the fear of the Lord. Third, discipleship is family together. You're going to hear me talk about family a lot because that's who we are. We don't need to view the church as an organization that we give our dues to and that we're part of today, but once they don't, don't satisfy what we think our dues deserve, then we go off to a different organization. No, the church is family, and, and this is the loyalty that the church should have of its members, between its members. It's a family loyalty, a family loyalty. 
where we are committed to one another as family is committed to one another. And you see this uh, 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 unveiled in verse 44 and 45. Look, it says, now all who believed were together. Now the word there is koina. They were together. And they had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. As the first church lived with one heart for Jesus Christ, they lived out that passion through compassion for one another together. Now, I want you to see the picture. Some have said this is socialism. It's, it's not really socialism because um, what you have are people voluntarily giving, uh, selling what they've got and laying it at the apostles' feet, and then the apostles taking what people have voluntarily given and supporting everybody else in the congregation. So that's not socialism. Socialism is where um, you demand everybody give stuff. Uh, but regardless, that's, that's really not the point. The point is that the church was such a family that they saw a brother or sister in need, and they said, well, I've got a piece of property over here. I'm going to sell that piece of property. We're going to take some of that money, and we're going to help uh, provide the groceries for Bill and Ted for the next five weeks. That's what family does. It's not looking for a return. They weren't looking for a return on their investment. They were giving as, uh, as brothers give to brothers and sisters give to sisters and fathers give to daughters and sons and sons and daughters give to care for their parents. This is, this is family. And they took their possessions and they sold their possessions and they laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet and they said, now, here, apostles, Let's take care of one another. They were family together. Oh, that we, the church, would see each other as family like that. And I know that we do, but so often we get, uh, uh, we get this view of church like it's an organization that I support financially and they should give me what I need. That, that, that's not church. That may be your idea of church, but that's not the biblical view of church. See, the biblical view of church is um, I bring my tithes and I bring my offerings to the Lord. And those tithes and offerings support the work and the ministry and the mission of the church. And I bring my offerings to the Lord and those offerings provide help for those who are in need. And we do all this together because we're family together. Loyalty to family is bigger than loyalty to an organization. And that's the kind of uh, relationship that we need to have at First Norfolk. Discipleship, well, the disciples that we desire to create are disciples that are family with us together. And by the way, nobody's taking role on who's selling their possessions and laying it at the apostles' feet. Nobody's taking role of that at First Norfolk. But friends, I can tell you right now as pastor, I'm counting on you to be family to others and to me. And I'm committing myself to be family to you and to others. Will you take up that channel challenge? That's the kind of disciples that God wants us to make. Because when times get tough and things get lean, we need family to stand with us. And this church is family to one another. Discipleship is persistence. Discipleship is, uh, is uh, uh, sharing life together and living in the fear of the Lord. Discipleship is family together. And fourthly, discipleship 
is persistence in corporate worship. I want you to look at verses 46 and 47. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Here's the worship. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, I want you to see what they were doing. Verse 46, they were continuing daily in one accord in the temple. They were going to the temple to worship. So here's this band of believers, uh, the family there in Jerusalem, uh, more than 3,000 fold now. And, and they're going to the temple and they're worshiping God and they're praising God. And, and they were committed to corporate worship together. And out in the court, uh, of the temple, they would praise the Lord and they would worship Him. And people, even the Jewish people who had not become believers, they saw these folks and they knew they were the people of the way and they began to look and they began to see the, the gladness of their heart and the simplicity of their joy. And, and they began to think, I, I want some of that. That, that's what I want. Oh, church family, oh, that we would worship the Lord like that, that we would praise God in such a way that those who are far from God would see the enthusiasm of our soul overflow as the body of Christ, as the family of faith. And even those who are far from God would say, I want some of that. When the church as family grows as followers of Jesus in corporate worship, and we get together in one accord, unified in worship, with one audience, and that is the living God. And we, we move together corporately as a family, praising God, with one voice praising Him, with one heart celebrating Him. That worship creates enthusiasm in us. Now, that worship is not dependent on the sounds of the songs that we sing. Now, worship is not dependent upon uh, the rhythmic me melody of those songs. It's dependent upon the heart of the disciple. Are we raising disciples here at First Norfolk in this family who are enthusiastic in their worship of God? Or are we teaching them a consumerism that is inconsistent with what the Scripture teaches? God's calling us to worship Him with enthusiasm as the church. My brother's church in Texas, and they planted in 2005, I think, or 2006. And, and uh, one of the core values of the church is that they sing loud. A core value. I love that core value, that they sing loud. Not sing in tune, uh, not sing on time, uh, not sing particular songs. They just sing loud. You know, I'd like for that to be our core value as a church, that as an expression of our heart of worship to God, that corporately we sing loud, and we sing loudly our praise to the one who has given us life. And that, that gladness of heart overflows so that we begin to have favor with all people. That, that, that picture of having favor with all people, it's not the last time we'll see it, but in this context, it's a picture of outsiders, people who are not followers of Christ, not part of the family. They're looking in and they're saying, man, that's so encouraging. Man, that's exciting. Man, I like what they're doing. The 
ultimate result as we make disciples, the way Acts 2, 42 through 46 tells us, as, as we see discipleship as persistence, persistence in teaching and proclaiming the Word of God, persistence in sharing life together, persistence in prayer, as we, as we see discipleship as teaching uh, followers of Christ to live in the fear of the Lord, as we see discipleship as sharing life together as family, as, as a family event, as a family experience, as we teach discipleship as, as enthusiasm in corporate worship and unity in corporate worship, the end result is, verse 47, and the Lord adds to the church daily those who are being saved. The church fulfills her calling when we disciple those who are far from God, uh, disciple those who have become followers of Christ. We are called to disciple, and we'll talk about this again. The question is, are you in the process of discipleship? Are you helping someone, part of our family, grow as a follower of Christ? Are you in the process of discipleship? Are you in the process of discipleship? Are you being mentored and coached? One of the key components that we have as a church in, in discipleship is our life groups. And I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, you need to be part of a life group. We desire to help believers grow in their discipleship, to grow as followers of Christ, so that the Lord will add daily to this family of faith those who are being saved. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He bless your coming in and your going out, and may He fill your life with joy. God bless you, and good evening.